And we want to welcome you, our thousands of listeners, to Gracemont Podcast 24. And uh, without further ado, we have a wonderful guest named Martha Brame. And we're so happy to have you. You, you were here once before. We're going to have you again. And along our with our special guest, we have our regular Apostle John Luke and Apostle Duke, Yay. which is me. Yeah. Yay. And so so we can get underway, we got to get this song out of the way. So here we go. Okay. Grace-mont. 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 I'll have you know I wrote that. He did. <laughs> he did. And, and arranged it, produced it, the whole deal. It took hours. Well, if any, uh, my we friends, also... if any of my friends are listening, they are and totally understanding why I'm not singing with you. Because I can't carry your tune. <laughs> Cannot stay on key. Well, okay. Uh, also, we've been failing to mention that we do have an email address if you want to email in questions or subjects. And it is ad1 at gracemont.com. Send in your questions, your any comments, anything. Just say, hey, I listened. And I would love to respond to you and start a conversation. And marthabrame.com is where you will find... Martha's absolutely wonderful stories. Well, I have to say, which one I've of, read three of now. Oh, yay! Three, three. Thanks, Preston. Yeah. Hey, I have to tell you before we go on though. One of my friends listened to the podcast, and that was her suggestion. She texted back and said, "Hey, maybe, maybe they can do some phone-in questions, and and we could phone in our questions." So, hey, there, there's an avenue right there for all of you out there listening who have questions. You can email them. <laughs> Yes, it'd be fun. I would love to to take on a question from someone else. We have the technology to do the phone and stuff, but we just haven't done it yet. So that that'll be later on when we become a little more famous. Yeah, get the budget up over a million. You know, at that point, well, <laughs> well, we have all the people donating ten percent of their incomes to Gracemont. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, um, tonight. My first, we got several questions to pose. Um, my theory is to be a Christian, you only need the four Gospels. You don't really need all of the rest of the Bibles. So I was going to ask Martha what she thought about that. Well, I think the, um, the imperative question for Christians is, who is Jesus and is he who he claimed to be? And so uh, that is addressed in the four Gospels. I'm not sure you even need four, but you need eyewitnesses and you need valid evidence that that case is true. And so I would agree with you, those things can be found in the Gospels. But do you find the others the rest of the Bible helpful? I do. And the reason that I do is because it's getting to know someone. It's just uh, the more you know about someone, then, uh, then the better friends you can be. So uh, I think there's basic things for Christianity that you, um, 
need to believe to put your trust in Jesus. But past that, even once you've made that decision, then then the whole rest of the Bible just expands on your knowledge of who Jesus is, because the Old Testament is just foreshadowing or symbolisms of Jesus. And so when you look at it through the gospel lens, then those things um, become relevant and you know Jesus better from the symbolisms and things in the Old Testament. But is, is the basic knowledge that you need to become a Christian, um, those, that's contained in the four gospels. So I agree with you on that. What do you think, Preston? So I what would, you, I what would. What do you think, Apostle Deke? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well. So I'll screw uh, that up every time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The one thing I do think about is Romans Road. I don't know if you've heard of that, uh, Apostle John Luke, maybe, but that's what we all learned to lead someone to Christ was the Romans Road, uh, for the wages of sin is death, and all comes short of the glory of God, and. And uh, so that is a is it could be helpful. I do think it is possible to learn how to follow Christ, become a disciple, have new life in the uh, in the in the uh, in the in the Gospels. And and to Martha's point is, you know, you could have one. And I also agree with her too that the more writings we have, even from Paul. And I get what you're saying. I mean, it's not necessary to have the rest of those books, but it just kind of fills in some color, right? It just creates some, uh, you know, it just kind of fills in some of the gaps, possibly. So that's how I feel. Oh, I have a question well, for you. Well, my thoughts. Yeah, I have a question okay. for you, Robert. So speak, you can answer speak this Speak the one. question. So... <laughs> Do you have to have the Gospels? Could people become Christians without the the um, the ancient manuscripts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Uh, I think so, because for the first 350 years, a lot of people who became Christian never saw those books. Mm -hmm. So, sure. I agree. We'll see why not. But uh, what I was going to say about Paul is I call him the great organizer, because he's He's like the CEO that came in and said, well, no, 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 you guys are doing it wrong, and you guys are doing it wrong, and but this is how you do it. And he's the one that helped decide that, no, you don't have to obey Jewish law. Uh, anybody can be a Christian. It doesn't just have to be somebody who's been Jewish. And he kind of made all those rules that are, have become part of the Christianity I grew up with. But I don't know that all of Paul's rules and his organization are necessary for somebody to be Christian. That's, uh, that's why I call him the great organizer. I don't... I, he, he spent a bunch of time writing letters to people and telling them they were messing up. That's what he did. <laughs> Whereas Jesus told a totally different message, if you think about it. You know, uh, Martha, you, you gave me that, those videos. I watched all six of those videos. You, and you they're just, brilliant. You're amazing, Preston. You, do, you, ask him, you ask him to do something, you do it. You know, with my kids growing up, I ask them to do things all the time, and nobody ever did me things. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, 
I'm your first. I'll be your. I'll be your obedient child. I. <laughs> but the uh, the guy, the speaker was brilliant. He was just so intelligent. He his pre- presentation was just a hundred percent spot on. Uh, but one thing he talked about was that Christianity existed before the Bible. I mean, before the Gospels, and, and John Luke, I think you kind of alluded to that. But so you don't need the Bible to have Christianity at all. I mean, because Christianity existed as a movement, a powerful movement, long before the Bible's the first gospel was even written. So um, even without the Bible, Christianity would would be possible and, and, and could be spread. So, And I think I just agreed with you, John Luke, in some ways. But uh, I just thought I'd add that in there. And get a little credit for doing my homework. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's well, it wasn't, brilliant. It wasn't until Gutenberg that the average person really got to read the Bible even once it was put together. So that was like over a thousand years later, the the masses actually got to read the Bible. The rest of it was just the priests and preachers told them what they wanted to and, tell them. And you think about the power you have. If, if you know what Latin and others can't read that and you know it and you can interpret it any way you want. <laughs> You know, I mean, you're the one who, before they could read it, right? You had one copy someplace who, who could read it in that language. But you owned it. You you held that, that truth in your hand, and that could be really powerful. But when everybody has it, right? Everybody can read it and study it and say, hey, wait, you know, I don't, I don't know about all that, you know? <laughs> so, anyway, it's good. It was, yeah, that was a great, great invention, and helped spread. Hey, so John Luke, do you think Christianity spread faster after it was printed in different languages? Or, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It seems like Martha it would. does. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, actually- Do you know the answer? I need to backtrack up just a little bit. When, when you made the statement that um, Paul told them they were all doing it wrong, I thought that was that's an interesting question. What makes you think that Paul was telling them they were all doing it wrong? Because to me, and again, you can see how you look at it differently. But um, I think Paul was was going about living like a follower of Jesus, and then realized that um, that the Gentiles were also included. So it was. It was like, yes, we're doing it to the Jewish people, but we now realize that uh, the Gentiles are invited too. So it was like adding to what they were already doing is kind of one of the ways I look at it. And and he wasn't the only one because Peter had also gone to Cornelius's home, who were Gentiles, and and offered them the gospel as well. So... They'd already started, Peter had already made that first jump into the Gentiles, and then Paul really, really got the ball rolling. You're right. I mean, he was the organizer as far, far as the mission trips and doing the whole Mediterranean rim. And so he started inviting, opening up the doors and the, the floodgates, and, and all these Gentiles started coming in. So then he, he added to how are we going to deal with uh, this new group that is 
becoming believers and followers of Jesus. So they had to kind of come up with, with a plan to uh, include outsiders. That's brilliant. That's really very, that's great. That's, that's what he did. Yeah. He, uh, but he, he decided, or maybe he had some advisors, but he pretty much decided what was going to be okay and what wasn't. Like he said, the guys don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to follow all the Jewish law. But he also, this is the part I'm not so happy with him about. He said, you can't just go having sex with whoever you want to. I mean, he's the one that put that in. Jesus really didn't talk about that very much. In that fact, wasn't on his agenda. That actually was. You, you'll find this interesting, but really when Paul was out there with the Gentiles, um, teaching all this stuff, and um, some of the, the Jews came in and said, hey, I don't think you're right. Um, actually, what they did, they went back to Jerusalem to the Jewish council, and they had a big meeting uh, between the Jewish council, the Jewish believers there in the church, and then Paul, and um, they actually hashed it out and came up with what they were going to do together uh, both the Jews and Paul representing all these Gentiles coming in. So, um, so are you talking about the Jews that had become Christian? Yes. The for, former Jews? Yes, yes. That were now Christian? Yes. yes. Okay. And so uh, he went back and actually they hashed it out together. And um, and I, always, I love that story because then he has to go back out to Antioch to tell all these Gentiles what... Uh, they decided in Jerusalem with the Jewish believers, and the Jewish believers actually sent a, a person to go with Paul to validate or to tell him, yeah, no, really, he's, he is telling the truth. We did agree to these things. I like that they didn't just, you know, hey, good luck, Paul. I hope they believe you. Hey, so one of the, imagine one of the new believers from Antioch went ahead and got circumcised, <laughs> and then Paul comes back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> I hate yeah. it when that happens. Hey, golly. <laughs> so what kind of things, do you, what kind of, do you have specific things that they decided? Yeah, actually, well, I should have brought my Bible with me. I, I need to run and get that. Yeah, they didn't have to be circumcised. They didn't have to eat kosher. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have to take part in the Jewish uh, rituals like sacrifice and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So there was, and then there was kind of a struggle between how do the Jews accept Christianity and how do the Gentiles? If Gentiles become Christian, do they have to take on the Jewish law? And that's where I think Paul was setting up that here's if you if you're a Gentile outside and you want to become a Christian. Um, I don't. Did I say that right, Martha? Yes, I, I think you hadn't finished yeah. that sentence, but okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's, I don't know that he said you're doing it wrong. But what were you thinking when he said he, you're doing it wrong? You mean because he was always rebuking somebody in well, his he, letters. He rebuked Peter, I think, because Peter was making people. He was asking people to be circumcised and eat kosher, as far as I remember. And he, he told him, no, they do not have to be circumcised. And But you're right. That's where he told him he was doing it wrong, I think, maybe what you're referring to. But, well, no, in all his letters to the churches, oh. he, would, he would be 
here I am, your brother in Christ. I'm good to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nice intro. Now, <laughs> you're messing up. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what we do as parents. You know, you start out really good. Yeah. And then and then it's like, yeah, but don't hit your sister. And by the way, you know, you're, you're in time out over there. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, when, when after he visited these places and, and um, shared the gospel and people began to put their faith in Jesus and they're brand new churches, and and then he's have he's then having to leave and and go other places. So I think there was probably a lot of just come alongside and discipling um, people and how to live like Jesus. What's that? What that looks like in your culture? And so th- there was con- confusion over how to handle different situations. So he, Robin's right. A lot of the letters start out like we, you know, you're awesome, and we're praying you're doing a great job, but. Here, I know you have some problems. Let's let's talk about them. <laughs> I guess that's being real. He was very quick to uh, to get them straightened out. But again, he straightened them out according to what he thought was right and according to what he worked out with the council back in Jerusalem, I guess. Mm-hmm. But these were not necessarily things that Jesus would have said had he been there. It's what they they figured out. That's why I call him the great organizer. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know the part about the uh, the castle in Jerusalem because I haven't read the Bible seventeen times. Like, <laughs> yeah, we need to ask Preston. He's been through it seventeen <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, some of those details, I, I, I don't. I don't know a lot of that, but I, some of it, I know. Okay. Do, any more comments about that subject? Are we ready to move on to the next one? I'm ready we to move go. on to the next one. I'll I'll see if I can find it while we continue on. <laughs> All right. So along with my my question that Paul's writings are really necessary because they're just organizational stuff. To me, it's like it should be a secondary text that people look at to see. Oh, these are these are rules that go along with these four main gospels, which is where you really learn about Jesus here. So another one I have have always had trouble with is Revelation. I read that and I think John was on an acid trip. Yeah. This this is stuff that should have been the, the people at Nicaea should have left this out. It's 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 been great for debates over the years and uh, for people to you know if, if Christians were big on smoke and dope it'd be great conversation. <laughs> For people that were loaded, who were Christians that were stoned, you know. And actually, since it's legal in Oklahoma now, I'm sure that goes on a lot. A lot of Christians get together for their uh, prayer groups, and hey, you want to smoke a dupe? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what do you think about that? Either one of you. So okay, so one thing we did, Martha, uh, in our beginning episodes, is I think so is like put on different hats like if i were a christian i would say this if i were uh, thinking it so as a christian it if it's true if it's divine then it's then it's a helpful map to teach us about the end times now it takes it takes some skill to you know read those because it's all allegory it's 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 not they're not a lot of that is symbolism, 
and it and it can be difficult to understand. But as a Christian, I would say, okay, it gives us it gives us a roadmap of how the end's going to come about. As someone who would think maybe it's not divine, then then I'm I'm with you. I mean, I'm like because I'm I'm with John Luke. You think about it, this Nicene Council, right? Like, what? Why would? It, how did that one get in there? You know, because. I think John Luke and I feel like a lot of that was political. So what was the political advantage of putting that book in there? Because it's so different. It's so different than <clears throat> than the other gospels, you know, and, and, and John's letters of instruction. It's this kind of fanciful sort of but they felt that they felt that it apparently had value in the canon, so so those are my thoughts. To to me it's like tacking a couple of chapters of Harry Potter on to Anne of Green Gables. It it's it's a, a totally different. It's a totally different style of writing and and instruction. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent with that. It's okay, Martha. It's definitely a different style of writing, um, and and then you know that's something I'd have to go back and look into more deeply on how they chose what was in in scripture and and I know some of it, but. It obviously, it's got to be authentic. They go through and, and analyze that. Is it actually written by the person? Is it an ancient manuscript? Is actual action, you know, is it authentic? And then, um, then they decide by those means whether it goes in the Bible or not. So um, written by John, it is written by a, you know, a disciple, an apostle of Jesus. So um, had some weight there that somebody that walked with Jesus and too, I think it had weight, and again, I'm no theologian or biblical scholar, but uh, Daniel in the Old Testament, there's a lot of symbolism between Revelation and Daniel. So for the people who knew some of those things coming that was prophesied in Daniel, Revelation also matched some of that. So there's, uh, there's a little bit of tie-in to what's uh, said in the Old Testament about end times, where, where we're going, how this plays out at the end, and Revelation kind of matches that in the New Testament. So it's it's an end, um, and the Bible is going from Genesis from the beginning to Revelation is, is the end. So, but it is and totally to your, different than, than that. And to your point, Martha, one thing I heard about Revelation was that, okay, let me back up a little bit. I, I heard someone who studies the Bible quite a bit that they think it's very important to try to look through the eyes of the time that was written. Mm. And as far as I'm under, as far as I remember, I heard a version of revelation that during that time, there was a lot of symbolism that people who read it during that time would know like the, the, the seven Hills and the, the 10 valleys, and they would understand what they're talking about about where that is and, and who Magog is and, and you know, who this force is. They would understand, and I, I heard, I'd also heard that it was kind of one of those, it's, it's uh, what do you call, like on the black market kind of book where it was distributed among Christians that they didn't really want that out, and it was kind of written in code because some people understood what that meant, but someone who picked it up like a Roman or something would say, I have no idea what they're talking about here. So I don't know. 
how true some of that is, but I do think maybe the people who read it during that time would probably, I think, understand what that means. And it, when we're when we're out here like two thousand years later, reading, looking back, it's like it just it's just weird. Like it's Harry Potter, you know. So I I got you. To me, that makes a lot of sense if it was written to the people of the time and it has secret messages in it that we don't understand because cause now I read it and I'm going, yeah, this, to me, it's like something, this is something somebody made up. I mean, I can make up, I can make up a better story than that. I, I do yeah. think it's a little interesting, though. The first part of uh, Revelation is these letters to the church. And so even even now, you can look at some of those letters and, and Jesus is addressing um these different churches and in some cases he commends them for some things and then in some cases he uh he calls them out on on things that they aren't doing and so that that part certainly is relevant to today because i think we see churches doing a lot of the same things that he addresses in in those letters to the churches even then so that part i i totally agree is relevant and I personally just love thinking about the wedding feast of the Lamb. I mean, I'm just thinking big banquet. This this is gonna be awesome. So uh, there, there's some beautiful pictures in there as well along the way. But... Okay. Excellent. Any more comments on that? Excellent topics, by the way, John Luke. I, I love these. I think Bravo. these are great because these are these are like okay for both of those questions. John Luke, I think someone who's at least new to Christianity or maybe been in would, would have the same questions. Like, why do you need all those books? And, you know, I read Revelation. Why is that even in there? So but, so that's just kudos to to the uh, question selector <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, let's get to the Old Testament. Ooh. To me, the Old Testament is... Hebrew history, and probably has some myth in there and legend. <laughs> meth and or myth? Oh, myth said, and legend. <laughs> like, I thought you meth. said meth. <laughs> I don't think they had meth. Plenty of alcohol, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Probably some weed. Yep. That was an that was roots, an old world drug of all kind, man. Yeah. They, then uh, it's to me it's it's completely not necessary. To be a Christian, to to have the uh, to have to believe the Old Testament. To me, it's one of those things that's a barrier to people who are scientists to keep them from believing in Christianity. If they're like, when I was a kid, if you ever said, "Do you think Moses really parted the sea?" You'd get the answer, "Oh, that's a slippery slope, son. You can't <laughs> ask questions like that." You know, which. But that's one of our joke things is slippery yeah. slope because somebody's when you ask a question slope. about something that doesn't make sense and oh that's a slippery slope we can't go there which means they don't think about it because it would freak them out too if they actually thought about it and and oh sorry and if they had the answer if they had the answer they'd pop it out like that you know if you said hey what about this and they had the answer because I think sometimes those slippery slopes are like yeah I don't really know it's like, I'm not sure about that either, so let's just stay away from it. But anyway, go ahead. I interrupted. So, Well, you, Duke and I were forced <laughs> to believe all that stuff when we were kids. Yep. You grew up not going to church, which was a better deal for you, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. You, 
because you didn't have to you didn't have to be brutalized into believing all that stuff that doesn't make sense and now that you're a grown-up and you've become christian you can believe what makes sense to you you know so to, to me i think it's a barrier to a lot of people that have a scientific background that they're forced to believe magical stuff that occurred in the old testament well i just think it's really important to be able to ask questions i just wholeheartedly agree with you because i think that's one of the reasons why as as a church we are seeing young people when they go to college or when they leave um, their parents' Christian home, they're leave, leaving faith, they're leaving Christianity, is because many times they haven't been allowed to ask hard questions and get real answers. And so they do come away with the sense that it's not believable or there there isn't any answers to some of that and, and it's just made up. They, they unfortunately, walk away with that because they haven't had their questions answered. So I really agree with you on that. We're, we're doing a poor job as a church uh, when we we aren't able to answer or allow people to ask questions and um, at least sort through those things. Because questions um, oftentimes are, are your, your big trampoline jump to the next level of your faith. If you never struggle with anything, then you're, right. you're not spending much time thinking about it. So it's important to to start thinking on your own, engaging your mind in in what you have questions about and trying to find answers. Because when you do find those answers, it, it does, your faith grows rather than just staying stagnant. So I, I totally agree it's important to be able to ask those questions. I'm sorry you all didn't have that opportunity to do that. I think your story might have been different had you been able Slippery to answer slope. Yep, yep. You know, sometimes I think people, I think sometimes people say that because they don't have the answer, and so they just say that. That's what yeah. I That's yeah. what I uh -huh. was alluding to. It's like they don't, if they had the answer, they'd pop it out. But it's like, we don't want to get over there because I don't really know. I don't, yeah, that's a... I don't know why people um, are so uncomfortable with just saying, I don't know, let's go find out. You know, I, it, people. lots of times people ask me questions and I don't have the answers to everybody's questions. So, but it, I, I find freedom in being able to say, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is. Why don't, why don't we go try and find that out? I'll, I'll look into some stuff. You look into some stuff and we'll talk about it next week. Um, I have a theory. Well, yeah. I have a theory. And that's, that's I a like great. That. I do too. I think that's, that's great, Martha. But here's, here's, let me just throw this theory out to you. We go to a Southern Baptist church, and those ministers they have to sign off. I mean, when they get when they get uh, ordained, ordained, they have to go up there and say, "I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, and I believe this." And I mean, it's a big litany of stuff, and they have to sign off on it. And their question would well, is the infallibility infallibility of the Word of God every judge. Oh, I believe every judge. You have, if you want to be licensed and work in that, in that community, you have to sign off on that stuff. And John Luke, I wonder sometimes if it's like, okay, did Jesus drink wine? <laughs> to us, that just seems so dumb. But in, I I don't know. I don't know that that's one of the things. But I know in Southern Baptists, it's like you don't drink. You just don't. That that ain't happening. And so to say. 
to us, we would say that's so dumb to argue about that. And he probably did drink fermented wine. What's the big deal? But if you're in the Southern Baptist and you're in those circles and you're a minister there and you're you're kind of backed into a corner a little bit and you have to say, let's just stay away from that. I mean, that, maybe I wonder if that's because we have a gentleman in our Sunday school class who teaches quite a bit and he is he he went to seminary and he's, he's he he was a uh, uh, in the air force a chaplain and 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 he's i i think he has some of those parameters that he has to kind of stay in if 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 that's where he wants to continue earning his money you know so that's something i wonder about but but like martha for instance who is just a genuine christian who's just trying to learn stuff can easily say, you know what, part in the Red Sea seems, I don't know, man, I don't know about that. That seems kind of odd, or, or, or Jonah, you know, and the whale, or, uh, yeah, I think I said it right. Uh, but, you know, how did all that happen? You know, it just doesn't seem real. We can say that, so that's, that's my opinion. Well, I don't think those things, if, so if somebody says, okay, if, if I'm going to be a Christian, this is somebody that's like, not a Christian, mm -hmm. just trying to learn. Says, so if I'm going to be a Christian, do I have to believe that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and then got spit up on the on the ground? And, and do I have to believe yes. that the Red Sea was parted so uh, yes. everybody could walk through it? You have yes. to believe that. that no, was, so I, I think I think that's wrong to make that a barrier. That. So yeah. If that doesn't make sense to you, then you don't have to believe that. That's if that's going to keep you from following Jesus. Don't believe it. Yeah. If that's what, a barrier to keep you from coming and learning more about Jesus and what he wanted for your life, don't believe it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. The Old Testament, the whole Old Testament doesn't matter. Well, I love how Paul, anyway. you know, in, in sections when he talks about, um, well, I preach Christ and him crucified. You know, the, it comes down to the gospel. This, this Christianity is based on a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And it's it's based on his um, his death and resurrection, and that is the focal point of Christianity. And and again, the Old Testament teaches about Jesus. If you're looking through that lens, it just symbolizes. But but Paul didn't didn't have to cover the parting of the Red Sea and all those things every time he went and and shared the gospel. He was preaching Christ and Him crucified, and so that's always your 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 101 classes that um, and the rest of the things are interesting to know but they're not they don't make you a Christian uh, and and I would think I, I'm surprised to hear that that you you think that's that goes on again in, oh, in places oh, what goes on that, that oh, you it, also it, have to to verify uh, agree to um, mm -hmm. all those other points but Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, if you want to be part of that team. Yeah. Right. And it, and it, and if you don't, you're kind of odd. You're kind, you're kind of like, he's not he's not towing the line. I mean that you kind of that guy's kind of I don't know if I ought to hang around him. Yeah. I mean it's, oh yeah, oh yeah. Not that way in your circles. Well, I think my circles people are much more. Uh, we're much more focused on Jesus because that's who we're following. And and Jesus did um, verify the accuracy of the Old Testament. I, I, I found that 
interesting. Um, you know, he, he brought up Jonah and, and the fish, and he, he brought up things in the Old Testament and, um, and verified in the accuracy of the Old Testament. So through that lens that I'm looking at, well, Jesus taught that that was accurate and true. So, but again, I'm starting at the, the focal point of Jesus and, and that's who I'm putting my trust in and that's who I'm following. And so that's Christianity then. By the way, there, that guy on those videos, he does a whole video on that about people who left because, and his, he doesn't come out and say it, but he, he, he advises don't, if science says that's not true, don't get hung up on it. Possibly it's not, maybe it's a myth, maybe it's a teaching tool, you know? And so he's, he's with you, John Luke, on, on that. Um, and, and he, what's his name? Oh gosh. His name is Andy Martha, Stanley. Andy Stanley. Oh. Andy Stanley. Okay. Yeah, I like his stuff. Oh. Okay. He's a smart guy. Okay. So you've listened to some of his stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, on on Martha's recommendation. Yep. That's me too. Yep. You hold a okay, lot here's... of clout with us, Martha, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I just think there are so many barriers for new people becoming Christians that need to be buried. They don't, they don't, uh, at the Gracemont Church, the thing is, if you don't believe that, you don't have to believe that. This, this is what, well, of course, we just say, we want you to follow the lessons of Christ because it makes a good acronym. <laughs> the flock. You got to have the your flock. priorities. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah, it's all marketing, you know. <laughs> oh, I I totally agree wholeheartedly with you. If things are getting in the way from you um following Christ then or you know, at least evaluating if looking at deciding on on your view of Jesus, then then those things you need to put to the side of you and and get to Jesus. And and if we're putting things in front of people that keep them from doing that, then that's unfortunate. I concur. I concur. One of the things, what uh, the Old Testament question kind of leads into this thing, or it's a more of a postulate than a question. The, I think that the God, see, I think Judaism and Christianity are just two totally different religions. They're, uh, they're monotheistic, but to me, Jesus presents a, a story of a different God than was in the uh, Old Testament. Now, preachers have always said, well, God got nicer after Jesus, you know, or something like that. They come up with some excuse for why it's totally different, but <laughs> to me, it's a different God that, that the Jews had and worship. You know this this mean guy that was always wiping out entire civilizations for when they didn't behave, versus the God of Jesus who has teaches a message of of love. So I I like Jesus's God a lot better. 
What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, Jesus confirmed that it was the same God. Is 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 one one issue that you have to to um, to to actually mesh into that is uh, that when Jesus spoke and he referred to God, then um, he was referring to the same God uh, that the Jews had been following all this time. And, and obviously they, it's through the Jewish people that the Messiah was promised. And so he was the culmination of that Messiah. The, those, he's the culmination of the promises that were made through the Jewish people to bring the Messiah. And so Jesus was it. So he, he um, was who the Jews had been looking for all that time, and, and they missed it. They missed him because he wasn't what they expected. So but Jesus taught clearly that to the Jews that, that um, the God that, that he, he was the great I am, you know, using the terms of Old Testament to claim deity or his equality with God, he used terms that uh, that God the Father had revealed to the Jews all through history. So he was equating himself to that Jewish God. So, uh, but I totally get your, your questions on, you know, if you look at the Old Testament and we're wiping out nations and you know, things like that, and then you come to the New Testament. And I will say that, that even though it's the same, I believe it's the same God, um, and we can we t- we look at that different, and that's okay. I, I I see God is still God. It's still the same God, still the same Father that Jesus was referring to. But Jesus came to do something brand new, and that was the beauty of it. That God had promised this throughout time that He was going to uh, make a way for that that. Um, resolution between man and God that had been broken and Jesus was that that promise and when he came he came to do something brand new and I loved it because it we go from the law being written on stone tablets to Jesus bringing what Isaiah talked about where and I think it's Isaiah that um, it would now be written on our hearts the law would be written on our hearts it would be an internal thing instead of an external thing and so all those massive changes of this, what you've been waiting for is now here. And this is the new covenant. This is brand new and a new way of life that you're entering into. And it's really beautiful because it had been waited for for so long that um, now it is what you've been waiting for is here and it's brand new. And just the beauty of him doing that the night before at the, the Last Supper of, of saying, you know, this, this is the new covenant that I'm doing with you. It's, it's written, it's, you know, through my body and my blood being shed for you. And we're starting something fabulous and it's completely different than it's ever been. So he did bring something new. I don't know about you, new. John Luke, but if I were a non-Christian right now, I'd be, I'd want to become a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she says it in a way that it's just sounds wonderful. I mean, it uh, is wonderful. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) 
she's led a lot of people in that direction. Yeah, yeah, and then then that apparently that's probably why because the way you, the way you view it and the way you present it, it just it sounds really really attractive. It obviously brings you joy, which is yeah. the reason why we never try to talk people out of their faith. I would I would never want to do that. I I'm just now doing this because of, it gives me freedom. Mm-hmm. But I never wanted to take that joy away from anyone. But I wanted to let the world know and well it's, the world knows, but I wanted to talk about how I did not want to be boxed in to believing all this stuff that I don't believe that I've just said to sit there and listen to all these years. So, but anyway, I was going to get back to, so maybe the people in the Old Testament just had it wrong all the time. You know, when when the, the nations came in and invaded them, that may not have been God. That may have been God just sitting back and just letting stuff happen, not, not causing it because they've been naughty. <laughs> it may have just been that they didn't keep their acts together well enough militarily, and they just got overrun by somebody who was wanting to take their stuff. And it wasn't a punishment from God. Maybe God didn't punish them like that, but they blamed it on God. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, well, hey, to your point, I, I, you know, I highly suspect that when those, when those battles happened, uh, that those books weren't written then. I'm sure it was maybe a hundred years later that they wrote back about that. And I wonder if it's kind of like, John Luke, if we wrote back about like the 70s and the financial crisis in the 70s, and we look back and say, oh, they were bar- they were lending too much money, uh, this was happening, this was, and then they're in the middle of it, they don't really see it. So you have these historical writers, and they're saying it was God. God was doing that to them. And uh, sorry, I had a, but, uh, and so they interpret it as, that must have been God that, you know, God, you know, they must have been, because I saw, I remember back then telling them, you know, you guys, you got to tear down those high places and they did. And, and so I, and the way I write it is, and then God came and said, you're, you're done. And, and they, so to, to, to some degree, I, I think I'm in your camp on that, on that way you're looking at that. Because it might have been the same God who was nice back then and got just blamed for stuff. Could be. Well, okay, so think about this. Think about all the volcanoes, right? In, in the olden days, right? Because the volcanoes were God's wrath and storms and hurricanes were God's wrath, to your point. I mean, that's a, that's what they knew. They. I thought that was Pele. Pele? Oh, the, the volcano? Or, <laughs> or Pompeii? Or... Anyway, I'm sorry. No. Anyway. No, Pele is the Hawaiian god of volcanoes anyway oh, go no see you know that i don't see i don't anyway yeah so so anyway i don't know did i just interrupt and i was trying to make a point and i went somewhere with it that close enough martha do you do you think that god, do you I think love, that god i love this with you guys do you, do you think god just changed because of jesus god i don't think changes I think our perception of God may have changed with Jesus and the Jews may have had it all wrong before. What do you think about that? I, I totally agree with you that God does not change. I think that, um, and he says that over and over about himself, uh, he's unchanging. So I think that the God that we see in the Old Testament is still the God that 
we see in the New Testament is still the same God that is here today. Um, but I, I do think that uh, he, he is just, and one of those things um, about justice, and it, if you've been a parent, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you have kids and you tell them over and over and over again to, um, to stop doing something that's uh, hurting someone else or hurting you or bad for themselves, and, and if you keep telling them to do that and, and they just never stop, then at some point you do draw the line and it's like, no, that's enough. And so in the Old Testament, you do see some of that where uh, people continue to, to just rebel and, and um, just continue just evilness in, in, in ways that is mind-blowing. I mean, when you're doing child sacrifice and you're doing all those things, that's, um, God does step in and there's is that wrong? injustice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we count that as wrong. I count that as well, wrong. It is hey, Grace Mott, gonna, so I've got to, I can just say me. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you think about that, though, child sacrifice. I mean, God is the consummate perfecter of how to sacrifice your child. <laughs> Right? He sacrificed Jesus. That was his son to himself. And I, I, I kind of look at that as he chose to lay down his life for us. Not that he, he did, but that he, he did that for us is a good way of, of me thinking about how I think about that. But so the Old Testament, you do see some of that. Um, that uh, this is justice, and so I am a just God, and so, you know, if you continue in that way, after I warn you over and over and over again, there is a line that, that, that I reach that that's, you're going to get disciplined and whatever that looks like. Um, but Jesus, the beautiful thing when you start looking at the New Testament is, I don't think, Robin, to your question is the God in the Old Testament, I don't think the Jewish people necessarily uh, may have uh, had God reveal himself as much as we have in the New Testament because what we see in the New Testament is Jesus came here to show us who God is, what, what God is like. So if we want to know what God's character is like, Jesus says, look at me. Um, I and the Father in one. It just, it, it, and when, when his disciples says, well, just show us the Father. And he says, well, I've been here so long. Are you still asking me that? You, you can look at at me and what I do and what I say. I don't say anything that uh, the Father doesn't um, speak through Spirit to me and I'm saying those things. So if you want to know my character, look at me. If you want to know God the Father's character, look at me. And so we have this big revelation now through Jesus of this is what God is like. So you're right, Robin, coming back to the four Gospels, that, that's, what we, that's why those are so important and so weighty is because we can look at those Gospels and God reveals himself, this is my character and this is who I am. So I think we have that available where what you were saying, Robin, I totally agree, that, that the Old Testament uh, people didn't have that. And they, um, they had prophets to kind of speak for God and God had occasionally revealed himself like to Moses or things, but we have a, a brand new revelation um, and, and have that documented. So we have so much more to go on in what God's character is like than the Old Testament people did. So what he did was basically a master class. <laughs> yes. 
He said, "This, if, if he'd had, it could have been an awesome YouTube. If you think about it, YouTube video. Beautiful analogy. Jesus I love it. YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> we we have this this idea of doing some videos, of you know what would Jesus do videos or what would yeah. Jesus say, if he came back now and saw the way things were going, like like the things in the in the church that that." Uh, Apostle Duke was talking about earlier about how you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and if Jesus could address those things, like the dogma of a particular uh, denomination or whatever, he'd go, no, no, you don't have to do that. No, no, you don't. I didn't say that. That's you. You interpreted it to mean this. But what I said was this. You know, I think you can have a lot of fun with. Oh, you can have a lot of videos fun like that. Yeah. So, say no. That's no. I didn't say that. Right. You you said I said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyone else have any thoughts, topics, questions? So oh, so I would to comment on your thing, uh, John Luke. You know, I I agree with you that the Old Testament. And the New Testament God seems so different. I mean, it's just, it's almost hard to, but the one thing, but then when I put the Christian hat on, right? I mean, Jesus would disagree with us. He would say, I not only believe all of the Old Testament, but I and the Father are one, meaning he validates that the God in the Old Testament, the God in the New Testament, they're one. They're the same. They're the same God, and I mean, so my, I guess I might challenge you, John Luke. Do you believe Jesus when he says, when he validates the Old Testament God and Him are the same God? That was his teaching, and he taught that. That's one of the cornerstones of his ministry. Was the Old Testament God and me? We're the same. So what do you think about that, John Luke? I think it is written that he said that. I think oh, if he okay. were here today, he might tell us, no, I didn't say that. Okay. Because it's, it's written by men that he said that. Right. But I don't know that all those writings well, are necessarily so, true because they're written by men years later. That's a conundrum they, I have yeah, with our that's tenants. That's a conundrum is how do we if if we don't we don't what did he what did he say i mean i i if 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 you i and and i'm kind of asking this question out loud because i'm the same way i think there's a lot of that stuff was probably interjected right later in history but then the the conundrum is if we're going to follow the teachings of jesus christ like what do we how do we know what in the new testament to to believe he said you know yeah you have to have a a parenthesis after it that says as best we can as best we can understand this was what he taught yeah and okay well, I, all right i think it's really important see those are really good questions i i think it would be really helpful for people to go back and um and take a hard look at can you trust the scriptures and at least we'll talk about the New Testament and when they were written um, and how did the Bible get put together? Because um, 
we have eyewitnesses who actually saw things that then wrote them down. And especially, you know, they think the book of Mark was written within, um, I think, what was it, 30, 40 years or maybe less of, uh, certainly all those people were alive. And when Luke wrote his, um, he said, you know, I've, I've gone to these eyewitnesses and I've talked to them. And I, I love Luke's book because he was just so detailed. He was this historian and put so many of these things in this occurred here at this place with these people and under these leaders and government officials. And, and I'm writing all these details down so you can fact check me. Just go fact check me. You know, all these people are still alive. Go chat with them. And that's the beauty of it back then is they... Um, they they actually could go and talk with the eyewitnesses and so if they're if that wasn't true then people had the opportunity to say that's not true and then nobody would really keep literature ancient manuscripts or these manuscripts that were so important at the time i mean parchments were so expensive and and people couldn't you know really afford to 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 write those or have those recorded so um, if one wasn't true then they certainly don't want to waste writing parchment and paying people to do that and then they they treasured those things because they were accurate i mean they risked their lives to keep those 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 parchments uh safe and um and just that people could go back at the time that many of those were written and especially with paul's as well they had they had the opportunity to go back and talk with people so um from my standpoint, when I looked into to whether or not I can trust that what people recorded that Jesus said was accurate or not, then I thought the validity of the evidence that um, of how it was recorded, and and even now, you know, people will say, well, maybe it's been changed, and and yet we have all these do- ancient documents. So even if we lost our New Testament, there's um, there's like over 5,000 original Greek texts, original Greek texts that you can go back and put the New Testament back together again. And even if you didn't, if all the Greek ancient manuscripts got lost, then you're right, it was translated to to Latin in the Vulgate. Then we have whatever, 10,000 or more ancient Latin ones that you can go back and you you can see that um, it, it hasn't been changed, that it's what's been passed down has been reliable. So I, I think it's really important for people to, to look into it. Can I put my trust in, in what the Gospels say? Because you're right, if, if you can't trust what they said, how do you know any of it's true? I mean, people could have just said anything. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's where I think you're coming from. And so I think, um, why, why do you think that it's, it's inaccurate? I think it was written by men who all have agendas, and there, it wasn't written by women, which I'm sure there are a lot of women that had stuff to say, but they didn't get to have their input. Uh, there's always... Everything that's written has a spin to it because the person writing it puts that person in the writing. And as long as it's written by humans, there's a chance that it's not accurate. And so I've always, in my mind, since I was a little boy, I thought, 
a person wrote that. Now, the, of course, in the Southern Baptist Church or the, even the Methodist Church, if you said a person wrote that, then somebody was quick to say, oh, but it was inspired by God. I go, uh, you say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you say that? You're another human telling me that. And I know humans lie. So that's, that's why I always suspect that it may or may not be true. I choose to read the things that Jesus says and say, those are great lessons. But how do you live know my those life are accurate? Because I always have. I don't know they okay. are. You're just saying I don't know wrote they're them. not accurate. Good. I don't know they're not accurate either. But I don't. I don't know that they're gospel, so to speak. You know, I wonder. Oh, so I wonder. Uh, the one the thing I I might look at that. John Luke, as we continue to build our, is maybe the details, there's a lot of details that maybe are inaccurate here and there, but if you take the four gospels as a tapestry, right? And you put it all together and you read front to back and and they, and you use this tapestry to say, there's a high probability here from everything we've read, we have all this evidence and yes, some of the days in the, the exact way he said this and that, but it's consistent. The message is consistent of he is the Messiah. He is from the God of the Old Testament, who the God of the Old Testament said, I am going to sin. He, I think you could use that. As, it, the details, I got you. They're not, you can't, but I think, I just think it's consistent. If you take all four of those books and you put them all together, and you, even without the details, it just seems like it does, it is consistent with that message, I think. So that's what I might. Well, there's stuff in there like the virgin birth. Yeah. I, I don't believe that any, zero, <laughs> none. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, it's something somebody made up. It makes a lot more sense to me that somebody made that up later. Jesus didn't tell that story. Right. That story was told about him after he died. Jesus never told that story. So that makes me think it's something somebody made up. So Yeah, I I'm I'm with you. I'm yeah, I got you on that. In fact, uh Martha, one thing I think we've already talked about is I'm I don't know where I am on a lot of this stuff, but I'm kinda of getting there. But to your point, John Luke, I heard someone just the other day argue that the, the 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 new testament it wasn't necessary like 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 the resurrection that was not even important what it what they were trying to do was they were trying like virgin birth okay think about the greek gods right you have the gods come out and they have intercourse with humans and they have a, a demigod right or, or or god what what this guy said was the way it was written was like he had a virgin birth. Okay, you go back to the Greeks. You think about all of those. Okay, yeah, there's one. There's one. He rose from the dead. You think about all the Greek gods and all the Greek heroes who died and rose again. So uh, he healed somebody. He could he could uh, handle the, the weather. You know, he could make it rain and storm or whatever. And his argument was that, and here again, it's looking through the eyes of the audience of that day and and. He, he, he was just saying the resurrection, he didn't care. It, what they were trying to do, they were trying to equate all the things he did with these previous gods to say, 
these are his qualifications to be God. And people who read it at that time would say, hey, look, he was virgin birth. Hey, he came back from the dead. Hey, he raised somebody from the dead. Hey, he could come. Hey, look at all these. That's kind of validating that he is a big deal. So, just thought that. For the people of the time. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, You're going to say something, Martha? Well, I think you also have to put together, um, you know, Isaiah, one of the things he said as a prophet speaking for God was that uh, the Messiah would have a virgin birth. And when Jesus came, he talked about fulfilling Isaiah's prophecies and that who Isaiah wrote about, that coming Messiah. So those were things that were said, um, you know, hundreds of years before the arrival of Jesus um, and looking at prophecies that the Messiah needed to fulfill to, to, of the Old Testament, that was one of them. And so Jesus, when you said Jesus didn't claim that, um, you're right, I, I can't think of a teaching that he said um, where he taught that uh, over his birth, but um, he, he certainly claimed to be the Messiah that was prophesied from the Old Testament, and that was one of the prophecies about the Messiah. He didn't teach it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It shouldn't be a barrier to people following the teachings of Jesus. And I think what that was anyway. was to point, you know, just in context of we're talking about that prophecy, that was one of the things that the Jewish people should have recognized that Jesus was that Messiah. That that was to help them recognize that that he was who he said he was, that that was one of the things that had to, a prophecy that had to be done. Mm -hmm. To me, it was a story they made up later to validate <laughs> him being who he was. I don't, I, yeah. And, and. Okay. And? No, I'm done. Martha, we're about out of, t it's been a, yeah. <laughs> it's been about an hour. Do you have anything else you want to? Um, you guys start closing because I, I just now uh, think I, I came up on some of the uh, Jerusalem Council so I can actually tell you what they said, but. Um, you guys go ahead and, and, and yeah, say bye, and then if I find can, it before it, then. <laughs> well, you can talk about it next time if you want. <laughs> We're going to get you on here again, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yes. This, this, come back. Okay, I'll add in um, this when, when they come back, because I'm coming in at the end of the chapter. But it says, as for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Dang it. <laughs> they still got you on that, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Well, I've decided I'm gonna Go ahead. That's from the book of Acts. You, you guys can fact check me later on because that's what we're that talking was about great. this whole time. That's a nice job. You need to Good be able job. to fact check. Fact check. That was scholarly of you, Martha. <laughs> Very nice. Well, as for my six illegitimate children, they were all virgin births. I had nothing to do with it. So anyway, okay. This is Grace Mott, episode number 24. Read the uh, fantastic stories at MarthaBrame.com, M-A-R-T-H-A-B-R-E-H-M. And if you want to send in a question, Apostle Duke will have a look at it at 
AD1 at gracemont.com. And our website is gracemont.com, but it doesn't have much money on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's it. We're signing off. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.